When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back by no one's demand but our own and from the DraftKings Sportsbook Studios in sunny, scenic, finally, Elizabeth Park, Nashville, Tennessee. It is the 615 Sessions Podcast, powered by Two Rivers Ford, and it's brought to you as always by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com. Hello, happy Tuesday, hope you're feeling right, hope you are living well. You will be living well. After we spend some time with Shiel Kapadia of The Athletic, one of their exceptional NFL writers, we've got a lot of ground to cover with Shiel. We've got five good minutes on J.J. Watt at the end of the pod. But first, you know you got to hear about our friends and what they have going for you out at Two Rivers Ford. Mount Juliet is where the dealership is located, just off Belinda Parkway. If you choose to go pay them a visit, I could not more highly suggest... I think that's grammatically correct. I couldn't suggest more you going to visit them out in Mount Juliet, of course, safely and socially distanced, to go see all of their great new or pre-owned vehicles, whatever it is that you are seeking for your next car investment. The non-commissioned sales staff makes it so easy for you to work with them, so easy to go through the car buying experience the car search process because it can be stressful honestly it's like buying a house kind of it's a lot it's you know it's a it's a substantial chunk of change if you're gonna put that kind of money into something that's going to be carrying you around on a regular basis so you want to make sure that you're getting the right car for you you want to make sure that you're not being rushed into any decisions that's what a non-commissioned sales staff will provide for you because they're getting paid regardless of whether they make the sale or not no pressure is what they offer you at two rivers ford if you want you can go through the entire car purchasing process online at tworiversford.com, they are powered by Ford, but just like this podcast, they are driven by the people at Two Rivers Ford. All right, let's get to Shield, then five good minutes at the end of the show. Back here, 615 Sessions podcast from the DraftKings Sportsbook Studio, Shield Kapadia of The Athletic is here because he is doing position-by-position position breakdowns of players heading into free agency. The Tennessee Titans have a ton, but also he's got some pretty unique insight into what's going on with uh, one uh, star quarterback in the NFL that he used to cover on a regular basis. Uh, Shale, I guess I guess we'll start there. Thanks for hanging out. Um, uh, what the hell do you make of the Russell Wilson thing? 
Yeah, I wasn't sure which quarterback we were talking about because I've covered the Eagles and the Seahawks. So I don't I didn't know if that was a Carson Wentz question or a Russell Wilson question. I, I thought our staff, uh, you know, Michael Sean Dugar, Jason Jenks and Mike Sando did a terrific job with their piece on The Athletic. Listen, uh, you know, it's obvious that Russell Wilson is frustrated and it's obvious that Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll do not see eye to eye basically on the best way for the Seahawks to win a Super Bowl. I mean, I think that's what it really comes down to. I think Russell Wilson watches some of these other teams, these other offenses, whether it's the Chiefs, uh, whether it was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he looks at some of the quarterbacks who have say in terms of personnel, offensive linemen, uh, wide receivers, whatever the case may be, and he wants that. I mean, you know, Russell Wilson's been around a long time now. I think a lot of us, we still look at him and think, all right, this is a guy who is relatively young and, you know, but no, he's in his 30s now. And so the clock uh, is certainly ticking. They haven't gotten past the divisional round since 2014. And he has a, a specific way that he thinks the Seahawks can get back into contention. On the other hand, you have Pete Carroll, the oldest coach in the NFL, a guy who's honed his philosophy before Russell Wilson was even born. I mean, whether it was the college ranks or the NFL, and he has a very specific way he wants to play, which is avoid turnovers, create turnovers, run the ball. Don't be afraid to play tough low scoring games and eventually will win those games in the fourth quarter and he has a long track record too and so there's frustration on both sides and uh, I thought that that report was very fair for both sides and now we kind of see what happens next yeah I think the thing that that kind of maybe not necessarily catches you off guard it's just so anti and you you could speak to this better than than anybody else I just looking at this from an outsider's perspective but this is just so anti who Russell Wilson has been all of his career and and I guess when, when you look at at the quarterback more than any other position I think largely or at least here in Tennessee they, they look at Ryan Tannehill kind of like an extension of management and I feel like that's who Russell Wilson has kind of been so for him to go on the Dan Patrick show uh, a couple weeks ago or however long it's been at this point and kind of even even as as I don't want to say, I don't want to say timid, but that was like, that was like Russell Wilson banging on the window. Say somebody get me some help or get me out of here. And I think, I, I guess, how much do you attribute that to just Russell or is there anything to do with what's happening with Deshaun Watson in Houston? That's kind of started this, this maybe trend of quarterbacks seeking to have more say in things. That's a great question. And that very well could be the case. You know, we always look at the NBA as sort of that uh, player empowerment league where we saw what happened with James Harden and other superstars. You know, if they want out, they get out and there's really nothing the team can do about it. We haven't looked at the NFL the same way, right? Because it's different. They're not all guaranteed contracts. You know, usually teams are a lot of these contracts we viewed previously as untradeable, even a, a contract like Carson Wentz's, you know, in before this year, we had never seen a contract like that moved just because the team had invested $33 million that it was going to have to pay one way or another. And so in the past, teams generally said, well, we're going to hold on to that player and we'll see if we can make it work. But you are seeing that change, I think, a little bit in the NFL. And so certainly that could be the case with Russell Wilson. I mean, his contract would even be more untradeable than Carson Wentz's was. Now, it's a different situation because the Seahawks could probably get a haul for him if they wanted to trade him. So you could make the case that they eat that money and they're getting a lot of draft compensation there. But 
the first thing you said is definitely true. It's, it's out of character for Russell Wilson. You know, I, I covered uh, the Seahawks for two years. He never said anything really remotely controversial during that time. It was always kind of team first. And, um, you know, the offensive line is doing a fine job, even though it was clear to anyone who was watching that they weren't. But I think something's changed in the past couple of years here. You know, I think part of it is looking at his legacy. He's looking at where he is at this stage in his career. He's looking at what some of these other quarterbacks have that maybe he wants. He's probably lost some belief in that Pete Carroll system, that Pete Carroll mantra. And really, you know, some of it is you look at New England and Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. You look at your own kind of history with jobs or relationships or whatever. I mean, when you're around somebody for, you know, how many years, it's been almost what, nine, 10 years, they've been around each other, Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson every day, day in and day, day out, in season, off season, they're talking. There are going to be disagreements when things aren't going well, especially with two highly competitive people uh, like that, two two people who, who really could both end up in the Hall of Fame eventually. So you're looking at it like, you know, both guys kind of have a, a reason to be stubborn if you want to look at it that way because they have such belief in kind of how they things think things should be run. And so uh, I think a lot of it could just be being around each other for that long. I'm going to listen to every Russell Wilson interview that he does from here on out to see how how much how much less he says go Hawks at the end of the interview. I think that's yeah. the best indication of, <laughs> of Russell Wilson's uh, displeasure. Uh, let's you you touch briefly on on Carson Wentz, and I, I want to get to some of the Titans free agents that because I know you have the the tight ends piece up recently, and you've gone through several positions at this point. But Carson Wentz being traded into the AFC South is obviously intriguing for Titans fans because. The Colts had for a good period of the of the season last year in the NFL, one of the best defenses, a competent offensive line that does see a left tackle retire and a, a big part of why that ground game was so successful, but now drops in Carson Wentz. Um, and I guess we, we had uh, Teron Davenport, who covers the Titans down here for ESPN.com. He spent some time in Philly, wrote a book on Carson after, uh, after the Eagles won the Super Bowl. And Teron believes him at this point to be a broken player. The film last year would indicate as much. And frankly, down here, it's very reminiscent of some of the stuff we started to see with Marcus Mariota towards the end. What, what kind of version of Wentz is Indianapolis getting? And, and is the narrative that Frank Reich is just going to be able to reclaim him a lazy one? Well, Teron's my guy. So definitely listen to what he has to say about the Eagles. You know, uh, I don't know if it's a lazy one. I think it's very, it's a tough situation to predict. You know, everyone I've talked to says Carson Wentz has sort of this immense love and respect for Frank Reich more so than any other coach he's played for. So I think if you're looking at it at, is he fixable? Reich would be the guy who can kind of get the most out of him. Now, someone else brought up a point to me that, well, Frank Reich was, was with the Eagles in 2016 and 2017. Now, in 17, Carson Wentz was fantastic, MVP caliber type performance. But, uh, you know, later in his career, maybe he got, I don't know if stubborn is the right word, but Carson Wentz is a guy who wants a lot of control, you know, in terms of the game planning and uh, making checks at the line of scrimmage, all those different types of things. And so I, I feel like after he had that 2017 season on his resume, he probably wanted that even more. And so Frank Reich hasn't coached him since that season. Now, 
the way I look at it is that Frank is that Carson Wentz last year did look like a broken quarterback. I don't think that's who he's going to be for the rest of his career. You know, if you look at a larger sample, even 2018 and 2019, he wasn't lighting the league on fire. But I think if you asked most people or looked at most statistical metrics, he was probably like a top 12, 12 to 15 type quarterback. And I think that's the most likely scenario for his career in Indianapolis. You know, I think there are things he still can do well with the right coaching, with the right supporting cast. I think they can be a playoff caliber team. I don't think he's going to recapture that magic from 2017. That was kind of a statistical anomaly when you really deep uh, dive deep into it. And the thing that concerns me about Carson Wentz, and if I were a Colts fan and or if I was someone who was just unsure whether he's really going to bring a lot of positives to the table is that he hasn't shown an ability to fix his most glaring mistakes. And two of those, I would say, are his accuracy, whether you want to blame that on mechanics or whatever. If you look at it. I, I mean, that's just been an issue throughout his career. And it really reached ahead last year where he was missing all kinds of easy throws. And the other one is ball security. He's fumbled more than any other player in the NFL since he entered the league. And so uh, he hasn't thrown a lot of interceptions in his career, but I always feel like we focus a little bit too much on that with quarterbacks. I mean, you have to look at the whole package in terms of turnovers and how many opportunities they're giving the defense to take the ball away. And Wentz has done a poor job time and again of protecting the football in the pocket, trying to extend plays, and then eventually turning it over. So um, again, I, I think he'll be okay. I think he'll be fine. I don't think they're going to be like a Super Bowl team in the next couple of years. I don't think he's going to be the player we saw last year either. So it'll be somewhere in the middle. Uh, the good news for him is the defense here is atrocious and he'll play them twice a year. We'll see what they <laughs> do in free agency, but that, uh, that has yet to be, that has yet to be corrected. You yeah. want to talk about things that are keeping teams from getting to the Super Bowl? Just God, just God awful. What we saw the Tennessee Titans do. And and they're in a position to, to really wipe the slate clean defensively with a lot of the contracts that are coming off the books. They're pretty up against the cap right now, but there's a lot there. The free agency situation here with players that are up for extensions, it's pretty complicated if you're John Robinson. And I know, you, of course, you can read Shil Kapadia at The Athletic. Joe Rex wrote our friend, Adam Bingen, our friend, many, uh, many great writers. They're doing exceptional sports journalism. Well worth your subscription at the at theathletic.com. So I guess we'll start with with what you've just most recently wrote on the tight ends because John U. Smith, given what how important the tight end position has been to previously Arthur Smith's offense, now Todd Downing being promoted from tight ends coach to offensive coordinator under Mike Vrabel. How how important or is it important for the Titans to try and retain Janu? It's my feeling, Sheila, and I don't want to color your opinion on this, although I'm sure I couldn't, uh, is, is that he is probably more replaceable um, than somebody like Corey Davis, but the versatility of him within that offense has really, really made him valuable, almost a Delaney Walker-esque type of player. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. Now, I think what you mentioned earlier, the Titans have to decide where they're going to invest their resources. You know, they don't, it's not like they're in the top five in terms of cap space. You look at how terrible that defense was last year, and now Arthur Smith is gone from the offense. So I'm very curious to see what direction they go in. You know, if Arthur Smith were still there, then I would say, you know, you can let John U. Smith walk because they're really doing some fantastic things scheme wise. And you have Ryan Tannehill, you paid him, you have Derrick Henry, you paid him 
him. You still have AJ Brown. It's not like the cupboard is bare. I, I think he would still be able to scheme things up and certainly have a top 10 offense, maybe even a top five offense. But now it gets a little bit trickier because there's a question mark there. Uh, I, I think most likely it, it would probably be tough for them to bring Jonu Smith back when you look at the other needs on the roster. And the other thing working for Smith is that it's not a great group of free agent tight ends. And so yep. if you're a team out there, you know, throw anyone out there, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the New York Jets, you know, any one of these teams, uh, even like the New England Patriots, a team that kind of has the top uh, is in the top five in terms of cap space and you need a tight end. Well, you know, you've got like three options of really good players. And I think Smith is one of those players, you know, and I think if you're Smith, you might say, you know what, I'd like to go to a, a pass happy offense where I'm getting more targets than I got with the Titans. You know, I know he, he made some key plays there, but he's never had more than what 448 yards received receiving in a season you know if he goes to a pass heavy offense could he be up he could almost double that I think I mean he could certainly be like an 800 yard um, a season type receiver and so uh, I think from both sides there now I have I don't have inside information on this or anything just looking at it from from the outside what makes sense for the team what makes sense for the player I would think he would probably find a, a deal on the open market that might be more than what the Titans are willing to pay and also an opportunity to play more. And so what number is that? You know, if you look at kind of previous precedent last year, Jimmy Graham got $8 million a year and Austin Hooper got $10.5 million a year. And I, I would certainly say John U. Smith is in that category of player. So that's probably the type of deal you would be looking at, whether it's in Tennessee or on the open market to kind of retain him or sign him to a long-term extension. I think the best thing that Janu has going for him or or that that would work in the that would work in Janu's favor to kind of drive the Titans price up is that he's Mike Vrabel's favorite player. Like Mike oh. Mike Mike does not say <laughs> nice things about anybody. Uh, and he cannot stop talking about how I mean how great Janu is the work ethic. He after one game on a post game Zoom this year he was talking about just how well his parents raised him and things like that <laughs> and how that factors into the work ethic. It's the only time uh, Mike Vrabel will say anything nice about anybody. Uh, but I I think you know internally they they value all of those things about Janu and it's been John Robinson's. MO to kind of reward those type of guys, whether that be Derrick Henry or Taylor Lewan, Kevin Byard, who, and they've not, they've gone away from what has been the, the issue with previous Titans regimes is now they actually spend money. They are willing to extend on top of the market deals on players like that. I just think with their needs, as you mentioned, defensively in particular, that Janu is, is probably on the outs is I think a lot of the, I think a lot of that also applies to somebody like Jayon Brown, who has really, really developed into a nice player and, and has been playing at a high level really since they kind of thrust him into action his rookie season. He's exceptional in coverage. He had a little, sorry about that. My alarm goes off. Okay. Uh, <laughs> he had a little bit of a little bit of a slow start. And then obviously the fracture uh, of his elbow against Baltimore, probably going to cost him um, to a degree just because there's, you know, anything comes up in those contract negotiations, you know that. Uh, but the rest of the defense, I think they're largely looking to wipe the slate clean there, whether that be Desmond King, Jadavion Clowney, uh, Daquan Jones is, I think, the first one out the door. I think that based on what we're hearing right now, it's it's likely that he's going to end up in Atlanta with his connections with Dean Pease and, of course, Arthur Smith being down there as well. With, with what, how little they have available to them, Shield, what would you do for the Titans first and foremost defensively 
understanding that a lot of those guys that were on this awful defense are going to be up and able to walk scot-free. Yeah, this is the interesting question kind of going on throughout the league right now is how do you build a defense? You know, if you look at teams like the Patriots and the Ravens, they play a lot of man coverage and they've said, we're going to invest in cornerback. We are going to be able to cover against really any offense you put up against us. And you know what? We will scheme up the pass rush a little bit, whether it's different blitz packages, different stunts, different pressure schemes. We can find ways to get after the quarterback, but that's not where we're going to spend most of our money. Now that's not the case everywhere. Other teams, you know, they, they look at it and they say, if we can get a pass rush with our front four, and if we can really invest there, well now, you know, we don't have to spend big money on cornerback on safety because we can drop seven into coverage. We can play a lot of zone and we're going to be okay there. So, uh, you know, post Dean Pease, it's a little bit tricky to know what the Titans want to do. You know, I thought with Dean Pease, he was one of the best in terms of disguising coverages before the snap. And that's something you're seeing what, you know, teams almost, have to do that now you can't just line up like those old Seahawks Legion of Boom teams where they said we can just line up we're going to play cover three and we don't care if you know what we're in we're still going to be able to defend you that's become a lot harder to do offenses have become too good quarterbacks have become too good so really I think the Titans have to figure out a way to get better at making more with less, you know, that that's really what uh, they were doing there with Dean Pease. It's not like they were loaded. I thought in terms of talent. And so I would think, you know, there are opportunities to build up that pass rush a little bit or around Jeffrey Simmons. You know, I know they tried with Jadeveon Clowney last year. That certainly did not, uh, did not work out. That's also an area where you can get some veterans who don't cost you a lot. You know, maybe a guy like Justin Houston, who's in his thirties. Um, he's probably not going to get a huge long-term contract, but if you want a veteran who still had like eight sacks last year, who can still get after the quarterback, who can be a, a good culture guy, someone like that could make sense for them. So uh, I think they've got to decide what they want to do schematically. You know, it could be, they look at it and they say, you know what, we want to play a lot more man coverage and we want to model ourselves after those Patriots and Ravens teams. That's how you have to play against great quarterbacks. Let's invest in corner. It's not a great cornerback market. And so um, that could be difficult to do in one off season, but I think they've got to get that stuff figured out. How do they want to coach these guys? How do they want to line up? And then they've got to decide where to invest those resources. It's crazy. How much, how many, or how much uh, resources are dumped into that secondary right now, almost fit north of 54 million at this point wow. in the Tennessee Titans between Malcolm Butler, Adoree Jackson, Kevin Byard, Kenny Vaccaro's looking more and more like a cap. Uh, a potential cap casualty. Of course, they cut Adam Humphreys yesterday to free up a little bit of cap space. But it's 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 the thing that people are 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 in the streets with pitchforks and and torches about here, Shale. That the fact that Mike Vrabel just straight up promoted the guy that he let call the defense last year, and it was historically yeah. bad on things like third down. But you know they they don't they don't think it's a coaching problem. They Mike yeah. he's he's gonna do what he's gonna do, and we'll see uh, we'll see how that pans out for him. Shield Kapadia of The Athletic. You can read him, of course. Well worth your subscription. Great free agency primers coming out right now. He's on, he's on the Ringer NFL show. He's, got on, he's on the Athletic NFL show. He's on the Mina Kimes show, our good friend uh, from ESPN. You can find him all over the place. He's doing great work. Shield, we appreciate you stopping by the podcast here and uh, on the 615 sessions. You got it. Thanks for having me. Five good minutes on young Justin James Watt, which is, of course, what J.J. stands for. 
going to the Arizona Cardinals and why the hell it doesn't make any sense for a variety of reasons. Right after a quick reminder about the fine folks at DraftKings Sportsbook. Not quite time for March Madness. Although we are in the month, my favorite month, college basketball is what I live for, especially the tournament, even if Indiana doesn't make it. In fact, it's better for me if Indiana doesn't make it because I don't have to suffer. Like last year when they finally made the tournament for the first time since I was in college and then the global pandemic just wiped it out and and saved me any suffering. That's not, I shouldn't say that. Of course, that's a terrible thing. Anyway, DraftKings Sportsbook. (laughs) America's top-rated sportsbook app is giving all new players the chance to cash $100. New customers can bet $1 on any team to hit a three-pointer in any basketball game this week. And if your team makes it rain, you cash $100. That's right. All it takes is for one three-pointer being hit by your chosen team to turn $1 into $100. Sounds like a no-brainer to me. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code A to Z Sports. A-T-O-Z Sports to get your shot to turn $1 into $100 when you bet on any team to hit a three-pointer in any basketball game this week. That's promo code A to Z Sports for new customers to get a shot at 100 to 1 odds on any basketball team to hit a three-point shot only at DraftKings Sportsbook. You must be 21 or older, Tennessee only. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. New customers only. Restrictions apply. Winnings paid out in four dollars free bets. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call or text the Tennessee Red Line 1-800-889-9789. DraftKings Sportsbook. Promo code A2Z Sports. Five good minutes. So I had a particular rant that happened to me over the weekend that I wanted to get into here, but then J.J. Watt broke his own news that he's going to play for the Cardinals. This sound, courtesy of Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network. In very stealth fashion, the Arizona Cardinals landed one of the biggest free agents available, and certainly the biggest free agent available to sign right now, which is exactly what J.J. Watt is going to do. He ends up getting a two-year, $31 million contract, more than $15 million per year, certainly more than most pegged him at. He gets $23 million guaranteed. Now, if it seems like the Arizona Cardinals came out of nowhere, they did. It was very important for J.J. Watt to be private and not have the names of teams that he was really and truly interested in out on Twitter and elsewhere. But this is not a random situation here. Vance Joseph, defensive coordinator for the Arizona Cardinals, done a really nice job there. He coached J.J. Watt for a couple years in Houston. He is very familiar with this defense, should hit the ground running and be productive. Opposite Chandler Jones, maybe one of the best tandems now in the NFL. He also, by the way, Watt does get to play with DeAndre Hopkins. Of course, the former Texans teammates may have a little bit to talk about when they both officially are together again. So there are the details of what J.J. Watt has signed for, a two-year contract with the Arizona Cardinals, reportedly $31 million, $23 million in guaranteed, as you heard there. And so... The question is, you know, because if you were keeping track of what the hell happened with J.J. Watt yesterday, you saw Field Yates, I'm pretty sure, tweet out his Peloton uh, profile that had Green Bay, Buffalo, and Cleveland, as well as Super Bowl 56 in, like, the profile information. I think it ended up being a fake account anyway. 
This is what free agency looks like in 2021. It just set the internet on fire because J.J. Watt's been trolling us all. And then at about what time was that? About quarter to noon on Monday morning, J.J. tweets out, source me and the uh, the picture of him in an Arizona Cardinals long sleeve doing a squat with a very, very serious J.J. Watt look on his face. Because that's what J.J. Watt does. He takes pictures of himself. He puts them on the internet with very, very serious faces because that's what J.J. Watt does. He likes the attention. He likes, look at me, which is fine. I do too. I, I identify the behavior only because I exist and live it every day. So I get where J.J. is with this uh, attention-seeking and attention-grabbing. It is a constant part of his life. But the thing, the question becomes, because Arizona came the hell out of nowhere, at least to the vast majority of the public, myself included, And what I also saw was a report, and forgive me, I need to pull up the reporter's name. He's a sports talk host in Arizona because about a half hour before the primetime show started on Monday night, I saw that he had tweeted out, and I will find this tweet for you, which I should have done before sitting down to record this podcast, but John Gambadoro tweets out, the deal J.J. Watt signed with the Cardinals was not the most he was offered, which is what most people assumed, I add parenthetically. Uh, Most people assumed he went to Arizona because Arizona was offering the most money, $23 million guaranteed for a almost 32-year-old J.J. Watt with his injury history, albeit coming off a healthy year, and $15.5 million annually. That's a lot of money, especially for like these contenders like the Titans who are pretty pretty cash-strapped. But then John adds this, the Cleveland Browns and Indianapolis Colts each offered more money. Colts weren't anywhere near this thing publicly. Tennessee's offer was very similar. That's from John Gambadoro, Gambo987. He is a long time, according to his Twitter bio, 25 years afternoon drive sports talk radio host on Arizona Sports 98.7 FM in Phoenix. Okay, so this makes it much more interesting if you want to call it that, because what J.J. Watt just did is he took $15.5 million a year to go live in a place that's lovely to live in for a team that went 8-8. Eight and eight. It's probably the worst of the options competitive-wise, which is not what we were told that J.J. Watt wanted to do. We were told that J.J. Watt wants to play for a contender. All that matters is winning for J.J. Watt. America, because that's what J.J. Watt is. <laughs> and I saw V-Love, by the way, one of my favorite Titans Twitter follows tweet out something to the effect of somebody's going to make a comparison between J.J. Watt and Pat Tillman, and I'm going to have to delete my account. And by the way, I agree. I would need to log off the internet for at least 48 hours if somebody was to do something that unbelievably stupid. And so now we have J.J. Watt in Arizona on a team that's not that close. Kyler's fun. DeAndre Hopkins a stud. Chandler Jones on the defense is very nasty, but Hassan Reddick is a free agent. Patrick Peterson is declining quickly, and the rest of Buda Baker is a good player, but the rest of the defense, largely not that good. In fact, really not that good. <sighs> so what the hell is J.J. doing? And I honestly think the answer to that, and I went over this a little bit on the primetime show last night, is I really think that J.J. Watt just wants to be closer to the West Coast, wants to be closer to Los Angeles. Again, this is pure speculation. I don't have any reporting on this, other than I can confirm that the Titans did offer him something similar, which is interesting. Because they would have had to do some really, really incredible salary cap gymnastics to make that work. 
But that is, in fact, so, as reported first by John Gambadoro. And I found that to be curious because $15.5 million for J.J. Watt, I mean, that's, you know, that's your only move at that point this offseason. That makes me a little nervous. Like, I wouldn't want J.J. Watt to be the only thing that the Titans signed if I was a Titans fan. So, now we look at J.J. and we say, okay, is it just the fact that you want to live closer to Los Angeles as you age, as you become one of these aging superstars? We know J.J. Watt likes TV. We know he likes commercials. We know he's repped by one of the biggest, baddest agencies in the industry that can do all of those things for him more easily if he's in Arizona, closer to Los Angeles. And I don't know if that's the entirety of the reason. I also think Arizona is a lovely place to live for about, you know, eight or nine months of the year. And outside of that, it's 110 degrees, but it's a dry heat. I like the dry heat. Or at least maybe JJ likes the dry heat. Maybe he's aging and he wants his body to feel a little better out in the sun, like Tom Brady in Tampa Bay, except Tom's, you know, doing all sorts of craziness, avocado ice cream, no strawberries, whatever. The doctor that's not a doctor that stands with him on the sidelines now and gave Bill Belichick double middle, I mean, he didn't actually give Bill Belichick double middle fingers, but Alex Guerrero, I think is his name. Anyway, I digress. Long story short, nobody knows why the hell J.J. Watt picked the Arizona Cardinals other than J.J. Watt, because it wasn't to win the Super Bowl, and it wasn't for the most money. Five good minutes here on a Tuesday. Fun show. We'll do another one. We have big news coming this week. I want you to make sure that you're paying attention to what's happening in the news cycle on Wednesday, at least locally, because we'll spend all of Thursday talking about it. We will detail to you everything that is happening around it, and we will be more than happy to take your questions that you submit for the Music City Mailbag on Thursday, because there's going to be some changes coming around here but nothing that's going to do, nothing that's going to make you anything but happy is what I'll say to you. It's going to be fantastic for you. More than anybody, well, it's going to be pretty good for me too. But for you, it's going to be the best. So send me your Music City Mailbag questions in my Instagram DMs. That's at Buck Rising, R-E-I-S-I-N-G. I will address anything that you want me to right there on the podcast. We will talk with you on Thursday. We'll have a really good guest, and I promise you won't want to miss it. So subscribe, rate, review, get all the great podcasts, the Tighten Up podcast, the Preds Nash cast, the Big Orange podcast. If you're listening to me, you're probably listening to them, but I just got to remind you that I'm not the only thing in this feed, and most of you know that, so you want to be sure that you're getting the great content that we are providing you here on the A to Z Sports Podcast Network. So in the meantime, now more than ever, I need you to stay safe, I need you to stay clean, and I need you to stay hot, Nashville. This has been the award-winning 615 Sessions podcast from the DraftKings Sportsbook Studios. It's powered by the fine folks at Two Rivers Fort, and it is brought to you, as always, now and forever, by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com. <laughs>